You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. September 6th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, and you will hear the show shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. We are coming off of UFC Paris this past Saturday, where a lot of things went down. Cyril gone. Defeats Tai Tuivasa, gets a finish in the third round. It's a fight that, let's be like at least in my eyes, it's not going to be, it's not going to be in the, it'll be like in the top 10 to 12 range for fight of the year, but I don't think it's one that's going to be on my shortlist for top five. It's a great fight, but we have to think about all the ridiculous fights we've had this year already. It's certainly round two is certainly in the discussion for round of the year. That was an emotional roller coaster. I screamed at the top of my lungs multiple times between Tai Tuivasa landing that big right hand. I thought Cyril Gan was done, but the guy has a chin on him. The man has a chin on him. That is for sure. He overcomes. He hurts Tai. Tai kept going. He showed his tremendous chin, his tremendous heart. And then Gan mercifully put it away in the third. And what a moment in front of the, the Paris crowd. Their hometown guy closes the show, sends the people home happy. It was a great day for all the local fighters. The Paris natives, the France fighters went 5-0. and It was a good night overall for all the France fighters. 
And it was just a fun event. The crowd was on fire. There was a lot to like there. There were some interesting things that, ha- things that happened along the way. Robert Whitaker looked absolutely spectacular against Marvin Vittori. I've, Adesanya spent 40 minutes in the octagon with Marvin Vittori. And I've, honestly, I've never seen Marvin Vittori kind of look the way he looked in a fight, after the fight. Hell, even after the the title fight where it seemed like Adesanya won pretty much the entire fight, Marvin Vittori is still going out saying that he won. And there was none of that this time around. Robert Whitaker looks just unbelievable. And he gets it done. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from there, what the middleweight division is going to look like in the next couple of months. But I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to see. Another good win for Nasruddin Imovov against Joaquin Buckley. Roman Kapilov gets his first UFC win, finishes Alessio DiCurico, who apparently, and I, I've, I'm trying to get full confirmation on this, he released a social media post essentially saying that he's moving on. He didn't use the word retired. I know some people are saying that he retired, so I don't know that for sure, but we will hopefully I will have some more information on that maybe during this program. Good win for William Gomez. Gets a majority decision. We had a 10-10 round in that fight against Jarno Ahrens. Nathaniel Wood looks spectacular against Charles Jordan. Amos, Amos Magomedov looked like an absolute murderer at 185 pounds. It was just a fun card. It was just a fun card. And, of course, we are kicking off UFC 279 Fight Week. It's going down this Saturday in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, the final fight on the UFC contract of one Nate Diaz. And he will take on the surging Hamzat Shumayev, who apparently has been very busy in Las Vegas. Apparently him and Paul Costa got into some sort of skirmish. You can check out that video at MMAfighting.com. Some people feel like it's legit. Some people feel like we are being worked, so to speak. But you can judge for yourself. Go to MMAfighting.com and you can watch the video of the altercation, and decide for yourself. But a lot to talk about, a lot going on. So let's do this thing. We'll start with Average Avenues 11. He was first in line. So that's where we'll begin. What's up, buddy? I'm good. Um, the, I, well, that card on the weekend, that was nuts, as you said. Um, probably one of the best cards of the year. Um, my question is, the um, the in the world of uh, possibility where Nate actually wins, what are what are the chances that the UFC sits down and actually agrees to re-sign him? All right, have a heck of a morning, mate. Cheers. Thank you, sir. I mean, I think the UFC is going to try to re-sign him anyways, because why wouldn't you? It's just I don't think it's a UFC decision. I think this is a Nate Diaz decision. Nate just wants out. Nate felt like he got messed around quite a bit throughout this process. Hasn't fought since the Leon Edwards fight. And he's been wanting to fight ever since. He had the one fight left in his deal. And I, I there's a part of me that sort of understands it from a UFC perspective because they want to keep Nate around. And they did him dirty. They absolutely did him dirty. I know they wanted him to sort of extend his deal or re-sign. Then they would have put the Dustin Poirier fight together. That didn't happen. So Nate just was like, no, I'm not coming back. Like, 
let me do my thing. Let me spread my wings and fly in the UFC, which they typically do. They put him on ice, even though he was asking for fights. And they offered him, at least to my knowledge, they offered him Shamayev on that October card in Abu Dhabi last year. But they knew full well, and I think all of us listening to this right now live, or even on the podcast network, knew full well Nate wasn't going to say yes to that. Because why would he go to Abu Dhabi and fight Hamzat Shamayev? That makes absolutely no sense. Nate's not going to do that. I think everybody in the world knew that. So that was like their official quote-unquote, this is our offer for Nate Diaz to fight, knowing full well he wasn't going to say yes. And then ever since then, Nate's been saying, fight let me fight, let me fight, let me fight this guy, let me fight this guy, I'll fight Shamayev, I'll fight Francis Ngannou, I'll fight whoever. And it just didn't happen. Finally, the UFC feels like they're putting Nate out to pasture, they're taking him behind the shed, so to speak, and Nate didn't care if it was Shamayev or anybody else. At that point, probably from April on, this is the one that he wanted. He wanted Shamayev, and I think he knew full well where this was going. And that's it. So I, I think Nate winning is just would just be hilarious. It would just be hilarious. And it would be the perfect ending to the saga and the story and everything about it. It would just be spectacular. And I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm so here for it. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting build to this fight. Of course, it's Tuesday. It feels like a Monday here in the United States, but media day tomorrow. We got a press conference on Thursday with the six big names on the card. Weigh-ins Friday, ceremonials Friday, and then it's all all up to the to the competitors on Saturday. So this should be a very fun week. As we welcome in a special guest, my best friend. You know it's important if he is jumping oh. on in here. So AK. Hello. hello. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is a beautiful day today. I'm just up early, uh, you know, because why not? Why not? We have only so many summer days left, Michael, uh, my best friend. I'm I'm just excited to be here. I, I want can, can, may I ask a question? Yes. Okay, I want to. People always ask questions on the show. I'd like to ask one. Uh, Mike, you know, us in the the so-called MMA media have been a little pretty critical of this card. I think you and I have been a bit gentler, a bit a bit kinder to it. We kind of started talking ourselves into it uh, as we kind of have looked into it and done, done some more analysis and looked at some of the names. So I will ask, but I will ask you this: not what is not what will be the best fight outside of sort of the top three. You know, we'll talk about that later. Our, our uh, the, the low key banger and all that. What fight outside of Shmaev Diaz, Lee Ferguson, and Holland uh, D Rod could potentially produce uh, like the best story or like like you know, so the attention grabbing headline? I mean. Like, I, I, whether it means, like, potential for chaos or some sort of shakeup in the rankings. Uh, what do you think? Because we know the top three, that's, those are the fights we're going to be talking about before, probably talking about a lot after. But outside of that, what do you think, like, could surprise us and, like, have us, we're talking about, I don't know, Dennis Tallulah on, on uh, Monday morning. I don't know. You know, for example. What, what do you think, Mike? Thank you, my best friend. Great question. It depends. This is one of those ones where it just sort of depends on what you're looking for and what you are hoping for from a headline perspective. Cause if we're looking at a potential star, someone who shines brightly that, that comes through in a big way that we're like, Oh damn, can't wait to see this guy fight again. It has to be Jelton Almeida 
Although Anton Turkalj is a is a good fighter, I just think Jelton Almeida is on a whole different atmosphere right now. The guy is super legit. Him fighting Shamil Durahimov obviously would have meant more in the rankings because I think Jelton would have just trucked him and he would have been a ranked fighter come Tuesday. But I think that one. But I just I'm gonna go with Chris Barnett. You get Chris Barnett in. Uh, Chris Barnett in front of people, he gets to dance. He gets to have some fun. He'll do some crazy stuff in the cage, maybe a backflip or two. And him and Jake Collier are just going to get in there and do the damn thing. And it'll be a fun fight. Those two are going to get after it. And if Barnett wins, considering everything that this man has gone through over the last year, that would be a great story. That would be the the feel-good story of this card. So I'll go with that. In terms of just great fights, like what fight could steal the show in terms of the fight of the night conversation or anything like that. I think Hakeem Dawadu and Julian Arosa are just going to beat the brakes off of each other. That's going to be a lot of fun. Chad and Eliger, Alatangay Lee will be fun. I mean, there's fun fights in the card, like Super Mally's making her UFC debut, which I'm very intrigued by against Elise Reed, who's looked pretty damn good as of late. There are things to like here. This is just the, the top three fights are really good. Although the Ferguson Lee Jing Liang is fight is a little strange, but it's still it's Tony freaking Ferguson, so that's a big deal. Iwan Kutalaba, Johnny Walker, it, it's a fifty. It could go either way. It could be just a horribly boring fight, or it could just be an absolute firestorm. But the one on this card that really has me scratching my head is the Norma Dumont Danielle Wolf fight. But who knows? Maybe since the Contender Series, when Danielle got signed, she's been working tediously and who knows, maybe she'll go in there and knock Norbert Dumont out and fight Amanda, Amanda Nunes for the featherweight title in her third pro fight. But there are things to like here. There there's positives to be found, but there's a lot of head scratchers as well. Uh, I'm cur- Let me just, I'm curious what the ticket map looks like. Cause the last time I checked it was, there was a lot of color. There was a lot of color, and that's not really a good thing for the UFC, especially when they're trying to play this streak of sellouts that they're trying to to pull. But I saw a lot of blue the other day when I was looking at the map, and I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, And there still is a lot of blue. There is a lot of blue up there. So as of right now, we ain't looking at a sellout by any stretch. But who knows? Like I said. The build to this fight, this week in particular, these next 72 hours is going to be gigantic for this card. And it's all going to be due to Nate. It's all going to be due to Shemaev. Any kind of shenanigans. You know Tony Ferguson's going to say some things because he ain't afraid to say anything. And then Kevin Holland's fun. And D-Rod's just going to be D-Rod and be as real as can be. And who knows? We'll see what happens. I don't I I just don't. I don't know how this sells out. We're two months after International Fight Week. You just at T-Mobile two months ago. And that was a very big deal. And now, right now, like the, the cheapest seat is $120. And if you want to sit down by the celebs, you're spending as much as I would spend on a used car right now. 13500 bucks to sit with the peeps. You could buy a 2018... Subaru Forester for that right now. And actually, 
probably probably not true. It's probably way more for a Forester at this point because everyone wants a used car. But you know where I'm getting at. I just don't know if this thing sells out. They might they might portray it that way. I just I don't believe it. I don't. But maybe the next seventy two hours will change things. Who knows? All right, we'll go to Don. Don, hey, hello. what's up, Mike? Hope all's good. Hope you're sipping on some some Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee and all that. Um, I am right now. Right, listen to this. This is Dunkin' Delicious. Sponsorship. We need it ASAP. Um, but now on to this question. Uh, so, so I was watching Imovolve, the Imovolve fight, and I was like, okay, Imovolve, you looking sweet, man. I like it. Uh, got a little carried away towards the end there. I think he was letting like the hype of him fighting in his hometown get to him, and that can cause you to slip up. I I, I was hoping Joaquin hit him with some some craziness. And, uh, you know, probably give him a little piece of humble pie. I wanted to know um, what for you is, like, the worst hometown guy getting starched in his hometown. For me, it will always forever be Darren Till because of how his hype was at the time and what it, like, would have meant for his career if he had kept pushing forward and had beat Masvidal. But I also wanted to know, too, is what's your opinion on the real fight, Inc.? Uh, I heard people thinking that saying that Nate's not going to be able to make money off of that. It's not going to sell. I'm like, it's Nate Diaz. Even without the UFC backing, he's still going to be able to make money. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to know your opinion, man. Uh, let me know and keep doing what you're doing. Too sweet and all that stuff, man. Have a heck of a morning. Uh, thank you, sir. Yes. The – yeah, I, I thought Imov looked good. And I know that the 3027 got a lot of people – sort of puzzled. So I actually, because of, I, I just was going with the flow of the broadcast on Saturday. There was a, there was a lot of time between fights. There was a lot of going back to the booth and a lot of not stalling, but a lot of time filling. So I knew that I would have time to go back and watch that third round before the next fight was going to start. Turns out I was right and still had time to spare. So I went back and watched that third round because watching it and scoring it live, to me, I was like, okay, this could go either way. This could have been a Buckley round, but it also could have been an Imovov round because Imovov was, was cracking him. That short little uppercut anytime Buckley was stepping forward was a thing of beauty. It was like when Cater was landing that step-in elbow on Giga Chikadze, it was like automatic. Anytime Buckley stepped in, Imovov landed that short uppercut, and it caught him every single time. And Buckley was coming in throwing some shots. There's no doubt about it. He was landing some. But Imovov was blocking or catching a lot of those shots in his arms because he had his guard up. So to me, if you scored that a 10-9 for Imovov, it's not, it's not crazy. There are way worse scorecards on that fight card than that one. But that's neither here nor there. That's a good one, the one you mentioned, Don, in terms of hometown. The Darren Till one was tough. To me, it's got to be, I don't know, I have to probably have to go back and do some research, but top of my head, probably Derek Lewis against Cyril God. Just everything surrounding that. The interim title fight was one of the stupidest interim title fights in the history of the UFC. And normally, like, I, I'm okay with doing interim title fights if we understand the meaning behind them. This one was just really, really, really dumb when Francis was kind of ready to go and they just, Oh no, we need a main event for this card. So let's just do a dumb interim title fight. And that's what they did. And Derek Lewis just got the doors blown off of him in front of his home crowd. 
He felt a ton of pressure all week, and Cyril beat the hell out of him. And that was that was a tough that was tough to watch. That was tough to watch because I think we all feel a certain positive way about Derek Lewis, and just to see him get absolutely rolled like that in front of his home people, so it was tough to watch. So that's the one off the top of my head. The Nate Diaz fight promotion. We'll see. To me, this is not a surprise at all. And to me, this is this is him having a promotional backing. He's going to have a fight promotion, but he can also use this as a promotional tool for potentially a co-promotional bout with maybe Jake Paul, maybe Conor McGregor. Because when Conor's UFC contract runs out, guess who's getting a phone call from one Nate Diaz? Probably Conor McGregor, because we've been talking about this for a while. Why do the third fight under the UFC banner when we could do the third fight under our own banner and make all the money? So I think this is very smart. I think the timing is, is perfect. You could use this to, plat- to put fighters on a platform to get them over in other ways, get them some extra shine, because you know people are going to be paying attention to it. So, yeah, I like everything about it. I have questions, obviously, which most of us do, but let's wait until this fight is over and see what he does with it. But this is very smart on his part to just get out in front of this whole thing and have a place where he can use this as not just a fight promotion, but a promotional entity where they can put on fights or put on fights with other promoters where they can make all the money. And that's that's a good thing. And that's what we want. We want these people to make all the money. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to Abswalia. By the way, we're going till the top of the hour, hello? and then uh, I have to I have to go at eleven Eastern. Yeah, Absolutely, hello. Um, so my first um, 
question I want to ask you. I I thought you probably saw that uh Costa uh, Hamza interaction. Um, if Hamza wins the Nate Diaz fight, do you think that would be a perfect fight to make? And my second question is um regarding with Cyril Gan. You know, um, as I said, he has multiple options. There's a rumor that he could fight Curtis Blade in December, or he could fight you know John Jones or Stipe. Um, I'm really curious to know what um your thoughts are on those potential uh, matchups because you know I don't think he will be fighting Francis and Garner until at least gets one more win in the top three, top five range because you know he's already had a title shot and it wouldn't make sense for him to fight someone that fast again after losing. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I saw. I, listen, we talked about this earlier about the Costa Shamayev thing. It's 50 50 split. Some people are like, oh, this is so cool. And the other 50% is like, oh, this is so stagey and pro wrestling like. And there's only like a handful of people who know the actual answer to that, but it definitely created some extra buzz for fight week. I don't know if this is the fight to make. I mean, maybe. If Paulo's like tough to deal with and they just want to use Shamayev as the, hey, let's just send these guys who are tough to negotiate with on the last fights of their deal out in the toughest way possible. They could just use Shamayev as the cleanup guy, essentially. We have a mess here. Hamzat, go clean it up. I also think that, and if you listen to on to, on to the next one, I made a very compelling case for Hamzat Shamayev. Should he defeat Nate Diaz, which he is heavily favored to do on Saturday? Now, the best option for him would just be to fight for the welterweight title. But now we have some things happening up the top because Leon Edwards won the title. The UFC is definitely going to the trilogy fight sometime, maybe in March, maybe April. So that's what? It's like six, seven months from now that that fight happens. So now... We have, we'll have Shamayev on ice maybe for a year if he decides to wait. The other option he could do is he could go up to 185 and fight Israel Adesanya. But again, with Israel being the champion, if he beats Alex Pereira, how excited is he going to be for that matchup? I don't know. I don't know. So my other option was, if we want to get Shamayev going, if Adesanya kind of wants to play the Volkanovsky role where it's like, somebody impressed me, somebody take that spot, how about Hamzat Shemaev versus Robert Whitaker? How about that fight? I love that idea for two reasons. One, if Robert Whitaker beats Hamzat Shemaev, he's fighting Adesanya or whoever the champion is in his next fight. He doesn't have to do anything more. That's the biggest win he can get outside of fighting for the belt right now. And two, if Shemaev beats Robert Whitaker, this is so fun because he's the number one contender in two divisions. He's Mr. Money in a ba- Money in the Bank. He can have a press conference to announce like like he's a, a a touted high school athlete deciding what college he wants to go to. He can sit there with a 170-pound hat and a 185-pound hat. He can sit there and make the decision, which fight which title am I going for? He's the number one contender in two different divisions. How many people have been able to say that? That would just be a cool story. That's what I would do. I love that idea. But I'm not the man with the magic pencil. I'm just not. But I love that idea. Who knows if it'll happen, but that's the idea that I like. Let's go to Terrence. Hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? Good. <laughs> um, so I'll make it quick since you got to leave at 11. So 
in regards to, I know you guys talked about it, like, ad nauseum, but with the whole, like, gun hitting Ty at the back of the head situation, um, not saying that he did it on purpose, which I know you guys all agree that he didn't do it on purpose, and if you can cheat, then then do it. But if the ref saw it, or if the outside ref, um, and they're using instant replay, shouldn't he have been allowed an additional five minutes um, or it then reviewed as a possible no contest? Because I'm pretty sure, well, you guys have wrote the story on your site with JDS complaining about the whole situation. People laughed at him. But since everybody loves Ty, everybody's like, oh, but this needs to be rectified or what have you. Um, so one thing that should have been implemented. Um, and then the last thing is like a hypothetical question that I had. So hypothetically speaking, Rob can make 170 again. He's the number one contender at 185. If he's like, all right, I'm going to go and take that 170 belt from Leon, um, and he tried to take it from Leon, who do you favor in that matchup and why? That's it. Thank you. I mean, that last question is super hypothetical because there's no chance he goes to 170. I don't think physically he can even think about doing it without hurting himself. Because, I mean, he was a 170-er, and it was a long time ago, and then he's worked all this time to get his stature physically ready for 185, so I just don't think that would happen. I would Whitaker, I would favor Whitaker to win that fight for sure, but you also have to take into account the incredibly difficult task of making welterweight, which I just, he's just not going to do. The other thing is, there's a difference, there's a big difference. Should, should this have been looked at again? Of course. But would it have been like what that would have been that would have been the most stunning revelation of 2022 if the referee in charge was like, oh, stop, stop it, stop the fight. Let's go to instant replay to see if this one shot hit him in the back of the head. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, that Jed Mishu and I have been on this high horse of ours for the last year plus. And I talked to Eric Nixick about this as well. If they're not going to call anything, cheat. Just cheat. Just keep cheating. And it's not like purposely cheating all the time. There are certain cases where fighters are purposely cheating. And it's not getting called. Just cheat. Just cheat. Hit him in the back of the head. Kick him in the balls. Poke him in the eye. Grab all the fences. Because they're not going to call it. And if they do, it's not going to be to like the fifth time. So there's all this talk. And we talked about it at nauseum on this show. And I don't even want to mention the two words back to back. But people just continuously throw out the words open scoring. And like this is the, this is the change that MMA needs. That the sport will evolve. And that we can ride off into the glorious land of martial arts loving. Because of open scoring. It's not true. It's not true. The correct answer is we need to have these referees, these judges on the same page. We need to have rules put in place when it comes to penalizing these fighters for cheating. And I'm not saying that everything you do should be an automatic point deduction. Like a fence grab should not be a point. It shouldn't be. But a fence grab should have repercussions. A punch to the back of the head should have repercussions. A kick to the nuts should have repercussions because in any other sport, whether it's accidental or on purpose, a foul is a foul. A penalty is a penalty. 
There is no pass interference at the Super Bowl that the refs are going to look at and be like, you know what? He definitely got in this guy's way. It's definitely illegal by the rules, but he didn't do it on purpose. So we're not going to call that spot foul. We're not going to call that half the distance to the goal. We're not going to call that 10-yard holding penalty because he didn't mean to hold him. This is sports. You want to be taken as seriously as the NFL and Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League and the NBA. But yet these things happen and you wonder why you're not getting that same amount of credit. Now, when it comes to ratings and business and money and all of that, the UFC is certainly doing damn well. And they're in that conversation with some of the major sports. There's no doubt about it. But how are we supposed to take this as seriously as the other sports when penalties are called in these other sports, but they're not called in MMA unless it's blatantly obvious. And if you do do these things, if you do get caught and there is a stop of the action, there's no, there's no repercussions. All, all you're doing is you're giving the other fighter five minutes to recover from something. And then we just continue like nothing happened. Come on now. We got to get better with this. And until that happens, I'm going to continuously say, whether you like it or not, that you should just cheat your ass off. And that coaches in the sport should be finding ways during training to, to cheat and get that extra edge. You want to know why? Because no one's going to stop you from doing it. No one's going to stop you from it. And it sucks to have to say this. And you know what's been crazy? Is most of the people who have been like, oh, listen to you guys talking about cheating in martial arts. A good chunk of you are on our side now. Because that's how you're going to change things. Start calling shit. Start calling shit. And then people won't do it anymore. But now there's no way to stop them. Because why would they? Why would they not grab the fence? Why would Usman not grab the fence? Why would Leon not grab the fence? They're not going to call it. We're in a win-show-money type of place right now where it's not just guaranteed money. You get this amount to show, and you don't get this amount unless you win the fight. So grabbing a fence or kicking somebody in the nuts is going to give you that advantage. Take it, because no one's going to stop you from doing it. All right, high horse over. Because we got we to gotta keep going here. Daniel, hello. Hey, Mike. Good morning. I just got to run away from my desk. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I 100% agree on that. You know, you have to have some kind of sportsmanship, although definitely. What do you, what? But what do you mean? What definitely, do you mean? I, I, I agree with you that it's crazy and, you know, also ambiguous and they're, they're not consistent with the rules. Um, but actually what I really wanted to discuss was um, this uh, Saturday, Chimaya versus um, Nate. You know, I looked at, I looked at the odds and I see that they've now narrowed to a small minus 1050 and plus 700. I just wanted to know what you think of how this would compare to uh, GSP versus Sarah. I think one thing is, you know, GSP, he had so many fights, we knew who he was, he was already a legend, and that just amplified it. In a way, this fight almost seems unserious, because it's like, what the hell are they doing in here together? It just uh, just doesn't make sense. Um, but it also really makes me appreciate MMA and how crazy these lines are that in boxing are just standard and, and average, and, and so I... I I, I really appreciate MMA for that. But yeah, I'd, I'd really uh, love to hear 
uh, how you think this would compare to um, to GSP versus uh, Sarah. Thank you so much for uh, taking my question. Thanks, man. I mean, it's a little it's a little different. Um, the Sarah one's just a, just so weird. And when people talk about biggest upsets in MMA history, like that's always going to be the one for me because of how it happened. Matt Sarah was basically done with fighting and then he went on a reality show and he won the reality show, which technically, if you go back and watch that finale fight that Matt Sarah was in, he probably lost that fight, but got the judge's decision and went in and fought GSP and knocked the damn man's ass out. And that's, that was a guy who literally had nothing to lose. Like no one thought he was going to win. He was playing with house money for sure. And then he went in and had one of the greatest moments in the history of the sport. So good on Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah at the time, Matt Sarah through a lot of his career was, was not the biggest welterweight. He basically was a lightweight. So, I mean, there's probably some similarities there, but as Matt Sarah kind of got a little bit older and had this opportunity, he kind of morphed into just a smaller welterweight. This situation is way different because this is like, this would be like Matt Sarah fighting, I'm trying to think of like a 205-er that would kind of make sense here because that's what Shamayev is to me. Like to me, this is like a lightweight fighting a 195 pounder or a light heavyweight. Hamza Shamayev is a giant. I have stood next to this man. He is huge. And if you told me, if I was just walking next to this man and I was talking like Jose Young's walking to my left and I was like, who's this guy? And Jose was like, oh, that's, that's Hamza Shamayev. He's a light heavyweight in the UFC. I believe you. That's how big he is. This is basically like a 205-er fighting a 55-er. And what Shamayev does extremely well, Nate does not do extremely well. Shamayev is the more powerful fighter. He's definitely the better athlete. He's definitely more explosive. He does things very well. His, Nate is a sneaky grappler, and he's tough as shit. And he's a, like, the dude is just, the dude can just scrap. But there's only so much that that scrappiness will do for you, depending on the opponent. And Hamzat is just a monster in all things. Now, what makes this fight interesting to me is not the matchup itself. It's what happens if this fight goes deep? What happens if we go to round four and five? If Diaz can somehow will his way into the championship rounds, how, what will Shamayev look like? Because Shamayev's not a guy that's going to sit back and conserve his energy. He's going to look to take Nate to school from start to finish, he's going to look to destroy this man. And if for some reason he gets into, which I think there's could be multiple times in this fight where he can do this and get Nate in some serious trouble. If Nate can survive it, what's Shamayev's gas tank going to look like coming in around four and round five? Cause Nate is durable as hell. And this guy, that stuff, he doesn't get tired. So yeah, it's, it's just a weird setup. I don't know. Like I, I think we're all in agreement that the line's probably where it should be. You could probably say it could be a little bit more extended and it's not all that shocking. But again, what's, what's bringing money in on Nate are those questions. Are those questions about what happens in rounds four and five? What happens when things gets extended? What happens if Shamayev gets tired and blows his gas tank trying to finish Nate and he can't? That's the big question here. Because Shamayev should win this fight, but the fact that it's five rounds piques the interest a little bit more. 
Uh, all right. We're gonna do some rapid fire here. I want to get to everybody. Four quarter sports. Hey, what's alone. going on, Mike? So, what's up? So, I do agree with you. I do believe that Hamza is not gonna wait around. The way I kind of see this fight going, from min- from the from the sound of the horn up until like minute twelve, I feel like Hamza is gonna be in control of the fight. If it gets past the twelve minute mark, which will be like the third round. Then I do believe this is Nate Diaz's ballpark, and anything goes just because I don't think Hamza is gonna have the cardio to keep up with. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I don't think uh, Hamza Shamaya is gonna be able to keep up with the cardio with Nate Diaz. Now, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. Um, I also wanted to ask you about a fighter who's on this card um, called um, Melissa Martinez. Yeah, um, I don't know so much about her, but. Like what's this? What's this girl stealing? I have a friend of mine who, who follows like anything like Latin America MMA, and like I understand that she's on the early prelims. Like, is she somebody that could be a player at one fifteen? And if you had your your way of changing the the bout the bout placement of the card for this uh the Saturday, how would you place it? And I don't know if you agree with the bout placement that's currently instructed right now. All right, thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Even even Eric Nixick, who is very familiar with Hamza Chemayev, kind of agrees with the same thing. Like, if he was going to tell Chemayev, give him any advice, it's just go out there and do what you do. Don't let the fans impact your game plan. Because I think that was kind of the problem in the Gilbert Burns fight, is that that fight just got so chaotic and crazy, and the fans are going nuts, that he probably just he was enjoying himself and kind of feeling himself a little bit. And that ended up kind of being to his detriment. So all in all, that could have been a tremendous learning experience for Shemayev. And maybe he doesn't make that mistake again. But if he does, then Nate's got a chance here. But if Shemayev just takes him down, smushes him, and just uses that incredibly strong top control, and just tries to submit Nate, like there's a very good chance he could do that. But if he wants to sit there and like have a striking match with Nate Diaz and have a kickboxing match and just try to knock this dude out on the feet. It's just a bad game plan. Like he's going to have success for sure, but that's not the way you do it. You take the man down. You don't let Nate get into any sort of advantageous spots on the ground, especially Nate can be tricky off of his back, but Hamza's just such a tank, man. He's so good down there. Not don't play in Nate's guard. Just stick to like half or, Go to side control and just just win those grappling exchanges and just get in that dominant position. You do that and you focus on that, then it's your world. But if you're like, oh, I got to make the fans happy and just have a slugfest with Nate, it's probably not the way to go. Probably not the way to go. Super Melly is good, man. Like, this is a good debut fight for her. Elise Reed has looked good. She's made some changes. Fortis MMA. She's done really well. A couple wins. Supermelly's good. She finishes fights, and she is a striking machine. She can absolutely crack. Her last fight wasn't the prettiest, and it's been a while since she has fought because she fought Desiree Yanez. That was actually a win that, that probably ages pretty well because at the time, Desiree Yanez was real good. Now, she's gone on and, and lost a couple of fights at Bellator since because Bellator obviously saw the value in her, but Desiree's had some tough fights since then. Some tough matchups. So I like Super Melly. She could absolutely strike. Uh, Elise Reed is a gamer, though, man. Like, I think this is a really good fight for her. 
Card placement, it's perfect. Because as you said, and you watch MMA all the time, you didn't really know a lot about her. But this is the type of scenario where it's a big fight card, Hamzat Nate in the main event, people are going to be watching start to finish. Just throw her on there. Let her see what she can do. If she goes out there and has a highlight reel, then everyone's going to see it, and everybody will want more. But Super Melly's like a really good prospect. A lot of people, like the hardcores know who she is, and but the UFC audience, there are certain people who just watch the UFC. The casual MMA fan has no idea who this girl is. But you put her on there, you match her up with someone who's going to scrap with her, who's not going to take a back step. Elise is one of those fighters. She could be a really good showcase for her. Or it could be just a tough night for her. I don't know. I think card placement's perfect. I think the card placement overall here is perfect. Because, I mean, what else are you going to do? We're just, we're just mixing and matching these, these prelim fights at this point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mikey Bats, hello. Mikey. What's going right, on? Man. I'm going to get straight to it. Uh, first of all, just to back you up with what the homeboy asked for, yes, Super Melly's legit. Got to check out that fight. Her and Elise Reed might steal the show if they if, if it turns out the way I think it might turn out. Um, you beat me to Robert Whitaker versus... Hamzat, so damn you. <laughs> Just kidding. But great minds think alike. Um, man, this week has been freaking wild, man, because uh, for all the my interest, like the most intriguing fight might not even be in, in MMA. It's what happened in wrestling this past Sunday, but we'll not get to that. But I think what I'm curious, though, is regardless of what happens this uh, Saturday, do you shelve that? Like you, you kind of touched on it, too, but do you shelve? Hamzat for whatever title shot, regardless, like even with middleweight, like, can you just, do you risk him losing if he were to go to middleweight or do you just like, you keep him bottled up and just give him whichever title shot he wants? You know what I mean? And two, as for that hammer fist from gone, I think people have to equate the fact that I don't think he was trying to smash, uh, Ty's head in. I think it was just one of those things where he threw a hammer fist and Ty's head was moving out of the way. You know what I mean? So you got to be careful not to label people dirty when they're really not trying to be dirty. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, that'll be all for it. See you guys later. Have a good morning. Thanks, man. Yeah, the Whitaker thing's interesting. Or the Shamaya thing's interesting. But if he's got to go to 85, I'd like to see him get a win under his belt. I mean, the UFC could certainly just throw him into a title fight, but yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see him fight Whitaker. And that's, that's that, again, is the beauty of that entire scenario because if Rob goes in there and wins, then it's like, okay, listen, Shemaev has been fighting at welterweight for so long. He's he's a better welterweight. Maybe he's just, he's just not – he's a better top-level welterweight than he is a top-level middleweight. We'll get some questions there. It's not an excuse, but it's kind of like a built-in excuse, if you will. So the, it just checks off all the boxes. Everybody wins. Whitaker wins, 
It's huge. If Shemayev wins, it's just super fun. I love all of those things. And I like, I like to have fun. I like to have fun. Let's go to Sivaram. He's been waiting for a while. Sivaram, hello. Then we'll go to Crypto, and then we'll go to Viking, and we'll try to get to everybody because I got to be gone. And... What's up, buddy? Uh, uh, first of all, Mike, uh, I'm excited about 279, UFC 279, because uh, I'm more excited about UFC 280. Uh, there is a 40 days difference between uh, this event and uh, UFC 280. So uh, this weekend has to be a spectacular event, especially the main event in two, uh, UFC 279. So that then we can talk about uh, all these things that happened in this weekend between these 40 days. So I hope it's going to be a, a spectacular match between uh, Nate and uh, Hamzat Chimayev and uh, Tony versus Lijing. So, and who you got on this weekend, Mike? Uh, what's your predictions? Uh, I want to see, as a as a Tony fan, I want to see Tony getting some uh, points on uh, winning column. So, if Tony does win, on this weekend, uh, who will he face on uh, coming days? And uh, uh, if Ned really does beat Chimav, uh, is he going to uh, go for the title match versus Edwards before Usman versus Edwards? That's it, Mike. Uh, thanks, man. Predictions, you're going to have to wait because I'm torn between whether I just want to go with my head or go with my heart on the main event. Because uh, I, I have been invoking the chaos clause all year, and it's just a matter of whether I want to keep playing that card. Like, even though I believe Shemayev should win easily, I just, I've seen enough this year to know that the chaos card could be used, and it's not a horrible thing. Um, if Nate beats Shemayev, he's leaving. He's leaving. There will be no title fight. He's not fighting Leon Edwards. He's leaving. He's leaving the UFC. Now, is this to say he will never come back? There's, it's just like in pro wrestling. There's never say never. So you're saying there's a chance. But Nate's next fight is not going to be in the UFC. Nate is going to leave the UFC with all the momentum in the world, and he's going to go box Jake Paul and make like $30 million. Because that fight becomes bigger than ever if he somehow wins this fight. And then who knows? And then he's got this all this promotion. He there's plenty Nate can do outside of the UFC and make way more money, way more money. So no, he's not fighting unless the UFC just says, "Hey, Nate, I'll give you forty million dollars to go fight Leon Edwards." Then maybe he thinks about it. But then you know that's not going to happen. So yeah, he's gone no matter what. Win or lose, he's done. He's done. He moves on to to other things. Cryptocurrency. Then we'll go to Viking. Then we'll go to Ahid. And we'll get to everybody that's waiting. Crypto, hello. Yes. Different question, but I just need to comment on Terence's question and, and cheating. Uh, what, what annoys me uh, is actually that people don't appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into becoming a professional cheater. I mean, you just... You don't just wake <laughs> up one day and have a black belt in fence grabbing. It takes years and years, Mike, of hard mental and physical practice to conquer that noble art of cheating. 
and becoming the world-renowned fence grabber. And, and I'm going to give you just an example of this. I mean, first of all, you need to decide, am I going to grab the fence down low and use the good old push myself upwards methodology, or am I more prone to the high-risk approach, for example, where I grab above shoulder level and pull myself up? You need to decide, am I going to use my entire fist, all five fingers to grab the fence? Or do I want to use a more refined approach where you kind of use one or two fingers while extending your palm in order to go all David Copperfield inside Octagon to create the illusion of levitating or something? You also need to know your geometry, Mike, uh, in order to, to initiate the fence grab at the right moment. And then there are, of course, a bunch of other intangibles. I mean, you need to have access to the medical records of the referees to know if they have a spine. Um, so <laughs> cheating is actually, I mean, it is a bit like poker, right? I mean, it takes a day to learn and a lifetime to master. So, Mike, last week I asked you not to say the name of the fighter we do not speak of. So I actually have a proposition for you. Let's just remove the word cheating until there are consequences. Let's just call it something else. Something like the noble art of, I don't know, creative strategies or something like that. Let's just not use the word cheating because it's not cheating. It is the optimal strategy. It is your obligation. It is a moral obligation for you as a fighter to use these strategies. If you do not use them, you're either stupid or you're dishonest. You're at least dishonest with yourself. So, Mike, yeah, let's remove the word, the word cheating because it sounds so bad, but it's so incredibly good. Let's rename it uh, Noble Art of Creative Strategies. And that's all. Thank you, Mike. See, you get it. You get it. <clears throat> that's hilarious, though. Always cheat in MMA because no one's going to call it. So you're right. It's technically not cheating if it's not called. I like where your head's at. Good stuff right there. And I hate to be talking about this, but this is the this is the this is the world we live in. This is being an MMA fan. Hello, Viking MMA. I'm, I'm. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm good. Actually, I'm at I'm at work site, so I'm really sorry for the background noise. All good. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's on your mind? Mm -hmm. I was just watching Wayne podcast the other day, and the Dagestani boot leaker um, Josh Thompson was saying that I watch uh, every main every main event. I mean, every pay per view event uh, free for the you know the links and all the stuff. I never paid for anything and. And then Dana was saying that this is illegal and we are working on the situation and we almost got it done. So do you think it's just for say that we have got it done and still there are so many other things like illegal streaming and all that stuff. So what's your take on that? And the other thing is what is a low-key banger for you on this main card? For me, it's Irene Aldana because... I love that fighter and I was waiting. I've been waiting so, so long for her to get in the octagon. So what is your Loki banger and what's your take on that Josh Thompson was saying on the on the Wayne podcast? Thank you, Michael. Mike, sorry. All good, man. All good. Yeah, only call me Michael if I do something wrong. That's what my wife does. Uh, listen, Aldana Chance is a good fight. There's stakes there. I like it. It's just weird for a pay-per-view main card, if we're being honest. 
I love the Dawadu Julian Arosa fight, but to me, low key banger is going to be Chris Barnett, Jay Collier, because just two huge dudes who just get after it. That's just going to be a ton of fun. So the Josh Thompson thing, listen, I, if you've listened to this program long enough, you know my feelings about Josh Thompson and John McCarthy and their broadcasting skills and things that come out of their mouth. So what I will say is, you're you labeled the text steady bootlicker, which I think is pretty funny. Um, he's also a he's he's pro Bellator, like he's team Bellator. He's team Bellator, and I I don't believe him for a second. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. I think he's full of crap. I think he pays for them all. I think he pays for them all because he's a fighter. And why would you not do that? Why would you not? Oh, I'm going to illegally stream it because I work for Bellator. Bullshit. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. That's it. I don't believe half the things that come out of his mouth anyways. And there's enough evidence to show why. But, yeah, I don't believe him. I bet he, bet he pays every cent just like everybody else is supposed to do. I don't think he's illegally streaming anything. And I'd love for someone to bring that up to Dana White. And I guarantee you if Dana did his homework, he would realize that Josh pays for all of them. That's what I think. I think he's just saying something just to say it. So, yeah. But don't illegally and nefariously stream things. Buy them. Because why not? But I understand if you need to do that. I'm just not promoting it. All right, ahead. Wake us up, my man. Let's do this. Yo. Yes. Heck of a morning. Okay. Firstly, what the hell have all of you been talking about cheating? Just like, how did this, how did it come to this? Listen, um, I get it, cheating, not trying, but where does it end? Like, is it steroids? Because we all know USADA is garbage. We all know Jeff Nowitzki is a tool, an absolute moron. Like, we all know this, right? We all know that USADA follows American fighters and people over in Thailand and Brazil are cheating. So do we just go, oh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying and just take steroids now? Where does it end? Like, we know Usman is the CEO of EPO anyway. So that story about the lumps on his stomach is a load of garbage. He, he got offended because he got exposed on the Joe Rogan podcast. So where would that precedent end? That, and like the hitting at the back of the head, that leaves, I get it, if you're not cheating, you're not trying like fence grabs and stuff, but if you hit someone at the back of the head on purpose, as far as I'm concerned, you are the lowest of the low in terms of human beings because anyone with any sense knows that leaves someone paralyzed or, uh, or dead. But I want to talk about two points here. Cyril Ghan shut down talks of Curtis Blaze. He didn't want to fight Curtis Blaze. He said, oh, title or interim title. Because we all know why. He got out-wrestled by Nganu on one leg. Nganu was on one leg and he got out-wrestled. What do you think is going to happen against Curtis Blades? Yeah, he's a good striker, but this isn't kickboxing. It's MMA. He had the chance to go into kickboxing glory, go to uh, go fight Rico Verhoeven, the, cha the heavyweight champ. He didn't. He came to MMA. This is what you uh, deal with in MMA. If someone like Curtis takes you down and uh, Cyril's not going to get back up, yeah, that's your fault. That's Cyril's fault. That's not Curtis's fault. And um, with Hamza and the whole 
Paolo thing. I just want to say, have you ever seen like these uh, Russian dudes, they, these like, oh, I smash you, brother. Have you ever seen them on their own? Like apart from inside the cage, on their own, outside, talk all this stuff and live up, live up to it. No, they're always in a group. It's this type of gang terror-like mentality, you know, in a group like Hamza was with 10 people. Paolo was on his own, you know, and he's like, Hamza, hold me back, hold me back. It's ridiculous. Like, it's just like that gang type mentality. It's absolutely pathetic. Like, as in, if Hamza really wanted to do something, he would go into the cage. He had all the people with him. He chose not to do that. He chose to just make a scene. If he just wanted to chirp at Paolo, he could have done that as well. But he tried to threaten him. And it's like, lastly, with these, like, Russians, they talk about respect, Habib, Makachev, Hamza. They talk about respect. They're like, oh, these fighters don't show respect, brother. But they never dish out respect. They want to receive respect, but they don't want to give out respect. It's so poor. Hamza likes to talk about smashing people. But the second Paolo says something about Hamza, uh, Hamza loses it. And the same thing goes with Habib and Makachev, and we see it all the time. So all I've got, drop the mic, Mike. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can view that video however you want. If you haven't seen it, go to MMAfighting.com. You can check it out. Uh, I, the Cyril Gant, he's fighting, he's fighting Curtis Blades. He's fighting Curtis Blades. That's it. That's the fight. Now, I'm not ruling out anything else, but if Francis comes back, he's fighting John Jones and Steve will probably get the winner. That's just the way that it sets up. Uh, but if for some reason Francis doesn't resign, they can't get Jones Stepe together, and they could do Jones gone. They would do that over Jones Blades. They would, hundred percent. But that's a lot of dominoes that have to fall in that favor, and I just don't see it happening. So he's fighting Curtis Blades, and I'm if I'm Cyril Gone, I'm trying to veer away from that fight too, just for the same reasons that I had just said. But that's who he's fighting. He's fighting Curtis Blades. That's it. That's just the way this all it's the way this all shapes up. All right, there were a few people who are waiting. I have to get to them because I have to go. So it's gonna be Joe, James, Ani, and then maybe Darian if I have time. Joe, you're up. What's up, buddy? Man, you know. I just want to say International Fight Week, the very first meet and greet of the whole deal was me meeting Mike Heck. So I like you, Mike. But this myth that the later the Chemayev-Diaz fight goes, the better Nate can do is driving me crazy. Nate Diaz has never won a five-round fight. He has never won a fourth round. He has never won a fifth round. If a fight goes to the third round, he's a 6-11. and 11. Fights that goes the distance, he's 4-10. and 10. His most famous prolific finish ever came in the second round. If this fight leaves the second round, Nate Diaz dies in that octagon. And I don't know why people think that he has any type of chance after the first 10 minutes. I don't mean to go hard at you, Mike, but I've heard you give the opposite, the contradicting thing two or three times. So just some comments on those numbers would be great. Thank you. Uh, you are incorrect, by the way. Nate Diaz has won a fifth round. He won the fifth round on all three judges' scorecards in the Conor McGregor fight. So that is incorrect. Um, Conor won the fourth, but it was close. They got a 10-8 in the third in the Conor fight. There is truth to that. 
there is truth to that. And I'm not the only one that's saying that. All the fighters are saying it. Eric Nixick, who is a head coach who knows Hamzat very well, says the same thing. If I was coaching Nate Diaz, my main objective would be to drag, try to drag Shamayev into deep waters. And he won the fifth round against Leon Edwards, too. Come on. He has one fit. He's one late. He almost finished. He almost finished Leon Edwards in his last fight in the fifth round. Of course, he can win it late. It's not a myth. We just watched Shamayev gas out in a three-round fight with Gilbert Burns. He won it, but there are still many people out there. Mazadal is one of them who thought that Gilbert Burns beat him. And it's because Shamayev got tired. There are, there's evidence to be shown that Shamayev can slow down. He's a huge guy. He probably has to cut 40 pounds to get to 170. The guy gets tired. It's not a, I mean, it's a knock in some ways, but in other ways, like, it's just human nature. Nate's a freak. He's got cardio forever. So does Colby, but Colby, Colby uses that cardio in different ways. Nate's durability is what makes him who he is. So that's, there is evidence against what you just said. Nate has won fifth rounds. Nate has done okay down the stretch. And the other thing is, it all depends on Nate's mentality too. Because there are, some, there are certain cases where Nate's just like, all right, I'm just going to go in there and fight this guy. And then there are certain cases where he's like, all right, I am all in on this fight. And I don't know where Nate's at right now. Because when they fought Michael Johnson, that dude was on fire. When he fought Connor, Connor lit his ass up. And then came back and put him away in the second. Then the second fight, Connor lit his ass up again, dropped him multiple times. And Nate just kept coming and won the fifth round. One judge scored it. A complete draw. <laughs> Scored it for Connor. I mean, just the way that it is. That is, I mean, that is true. Like, I'm not the only one who says that. Like, all the experts are saying the same thing. Nate's best chance is to drag this fight out. So, and I, I agree with that. It's going to be hard to do. Shabbat's going to put the boots to him. But can Nate weather it? That's the big question. All right, James, real quick, and I'll go to Ani, and I have to go because I got some interviews to do. James, hello. Hey, good morning, Mike. Um, if this is truly Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC, outside of the McGregor fights, uh, what is going to be your memory of Nate Diaz in the UFC, in the octagon or out? And uh, what is the, uh, the better chance to happen this weekend? on the broadcast on Saturday that we get a, a Jones fight announcement or the Patriots upsetting the Dolphins in Miami. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Uh, the correct answer is the Patriots. So, I mean, that's, that's just the, that's just 100% the correct answer. Uh, Nate, I don't know, man. Like, his whole run is, is good. I would say the triangle where he did the overhead bicep pose will always stick out. The promo after the incredible showing against Michael Johnson, the beating he gave to Donald Cerrone. I mean, that was, boy, that was, that was one of the all-time best ass whoopings in UFC history, in my opinion. 
Um, I mean, the Connor fights, obviously. I mean, there's just, there's so many. Nate's, Nate's whole thing is just one big story. And I can't, I'd love to see like a 30 for 30 on Nate someday, just for his UFC run. All right, Ani, close this out because I have to go. Hello. Yes. He just had one question, but after you uh, spoke about fouls, inadvertent or otherwise, I just have a few more comments. So my question is, or maybe I missed it, uh, since Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland fell off, uh, what are the possible uh, replacements? And uh, the comments are, you know, a headbutt. I mean, I don't think it's a foul, but it is uh, uh, differentiating or an impactful factor that keeps happening in fights. And it's not as clearly uh, visible or we can't really catch headbutts as frequently as we catch a cup check or uh, an eye poke. Uh, so uh, what I think is uh, the UFC must start, and MMA in general must start implementing, you know, the five-minute allowance for headbutts as well, because, you know, uh, look how it affected in uh, the Valentina Shevchenko and uh, Tyler Santos fight. And also, since you also mentioned, you know, the win bonus and, uh, you know, the show of money, I think whenever there is a fight of the night, I mean, we need to get rid of the fight of the night bonus, and whenever there is a fight of the night, the fighters must be given their full purse, both of them. I think that will be better than, you know, that will be a better motivation for fighters than actually the 50,000 check. Um, these are my thoughts. So I would love to get your comments. And even if possible, if you have any, uh, you know, speculations on a couple of juicy matches, uh, it will be great. Thanks, man. Sorry. Uh, no replacement for Cannoneer. That fight's just off the table altogether. It's not happening. Um, from what I understand, plan is just to reschedule that one. Hopefully they can get it in somewhere before the end of the year. All depends on Strickland's nasty finger. The cheating thing. I mean, the headbutt one's tough because most of the time it's you can blame both fighters for just accidentally clashing of heads. So it's kind of hard to gauge. That might be a difficult one. Um, yeah, I don't really have any juicy matchups, really. <laughs> I, it's, I don't. There's nothing that, that really jumps off the page to me uh, that's being discussed or worked on. There are certain ones that, you know, people have asked me about that, that I can get some insight on. But until I have, like, specifics, it's kind of hard to, to jump in there. So... All right, but I have to go. I have like a million interviews to do today. And then my kid's school uh, says they need to call me in five minutes. So that's awesome too. So I have to go. The AM, jump on Thursday. I will get you right to the front. But I have to go. Thank you very much. Back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do the damn thing again. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.